This is Hallway Chats, where we meet people who use WordPress. We ask questions, and our guests share their stories, ideas, and perspectives. And now the conversation begins. This is episode 114. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Tara Clays. And I'm Liam Dempsey. Today, we're joined by Joe Lopresti. Joe says he's very passionate about inclusive design for WordPress and considers himself a web accessibility advocate. He travels around the U.S. giving presentations to WordPress developers, designers, and agencies about web accessibility. Welcome, Joe. Hello. How are you? Hi, Joe. Welcome to Hallway Chats. Thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Um, Sure. Uh, I'm from Florida. I have two daughters, 18 and and 15. Um, You know, I've been dealing with WordPress for for a few years now. And it's really about it. I mean, like like you said, uh, you know, I I like to consider myself a accessibility advocate. We'll, We'll see. I guess only time will tell. So... How did you get involved in that? How did you get started in it? I, I, it's a very hot topic the past, I don't know, couple of years especially, but I know before that too, but especially it seems to be growing. So tell us a little bit about how you how you got involved in accessibility specifically. Sure. Um, well, me and a lifelong friend started a web development company about five years ago, and we just specialized in WordPress. And um, shortly after we started that, we got a a call from a local government agency that was asking about web accessibility and if we could do it, you know, and I guess like every good developer would in the beginning, we we took the job and we started our research phase of that. And that's really when it it grabbed hold of me. I, I, I just saw the individuals that needed the help. I saw the ability to help and I saw the lacking of help. Not that people aren't out there helping, but I, I just really saw like I could, I could, I could help. And, and it's just kind of grown from there. The more I learn about it, the more enamored I get with it. And that, that's really about it. It's just grown from there. And it's not just specific to WordPress, what you're doing. I assume it, you're, you're working on accessibility beyond just that platform. Right yes. Or, yeah, we yeah. work on pretty much all CMSs. Um, it's, it's not really WordPress specific, but that is where I did get the start. So I do kind of specialize and, you know, I'm much better at the WordPress aspect of accessibility, but we do do all of them. Hmm. I have to I have a confession that when I test sites and I use some of the, you know, the browser tools for accessibility, it's, it always frustrates me because it seems like a nearly impossible task to check all of the boxes. How, um, it, I guess, how accurate is that? How deep do you go with that? I know that certain organizations need to have higher levels than others. They have requirements to meet legally um, and, and, how do you approach that? Do you check all those boxes? Oh yeah, definitely. We have to, um, as far as accurate accuracy goes, the automated tools are not very accurate. There's lots of false positives, lots of, lots of, um, I won't say false negatives, but they don't, they don't show a lot of the stuff. 
really, in my opinion, the automated testing tools are meant to just kind of get the low hanging fruit that really should have been caught in development before it was launched. So I use the testing tools as just a starting point to get familiar with the site, to get familiar with, with some of the problems, but that, that's really about it. Joe, can you share some of the more common accessibility challenges that you find on all, almost all the sites? So somebody brings you in and says, hey, can you help us? And you say, yep, here are the five or the 10 things that I always see. And if you just kind of list them. Yes, absolutely. Um, contrast ratio is a huge thing that in a lot of themes spit out gray text for some odd reason. I, I consider myself an advocate against gray text as well. Um, uh, link descriptions are, are always a problem. You know, the click here's the read mores, those are always issues. Alternative texts are always major issues for, for images and all non-content, but mostly images. Um, <clears throat> lots of, uh, like different input fields. I always tend to be either mislabeled or not labeled. Um, text, text spacing is, is, uh, is a pretty big problem. Um, th those are, I could pretty much go to 90% of the websites on the internet and fail them just for those few things. Yeah, those are big ones. What does text spacing mean? Can you describe that a little bit? Sure. Well, you know, when, when developer, when we're building a site, we tend to build them on our laptop, but nowadays, like everybody knows, uh, mobile's kind of where it's at. So when you shrink that, um, you got to make sure that your text doesn't overlap um, or a lot of assistive technologies, um, low vision individuals use those to increase the font size. So the actual recommendation is if your font size is increased by 400%, that it still needs to maintain its proper spacing, no overlapping. You shouldn't have to scroll left or right to read it, um, things like that. And, and really also, it also gets into um, just the ease of use um, as, as far as properly spacing your letters from each other, properly, uh, proper line spacing. So. Do you mostly take over sites, uh, take sites that are built and then you fix them or mm -hmm. are you building sites from scratch or a combination of both? Well, at this point, we the most of our work is is for remediation. Now that'll entail either fixing a site or if you get a a really large site with a lot of custom elements and stuff like that, we'll just go in and and fix that. But if it's a smaller site, um, sometimes we'll just rebuild it. A lot of times, it's just easier to rebuild the site because you know we've created some accessible themes and we've gotten pretty good at it. So we're used to just building them out. And sometimes that's a, a, much, a much cheaper option because for us to fix a site, first we have to audit the site and then we come in and remediate it. And sometimes it's, we just tell the client, listen, just it'll be better and cheaper if we just rebuild it from scratch. We can make your site look, we tell them about 90% the same, but it'll be compliant. Yeah. Do most of the people who find you, are they doing remediation because they've been caught and snagged or because they have a, a desire to do better? 
Um, most people that contact, like you had mentioned in the beginning, accessibility is becoming a hot topic because of all the lawsuits and everything, um, including the drive-by lawyers. So most people that contact us, most of them have not been sued, but they all know about, they'll either have a friend that was sued or a colleague that was sued, or they'll get a notice, you know, from the company saying, we're worried about this. So they'll, they'll reach out and contact us. We have had a we have dealt with a few companies that are in the middle of a lawsuit, but the majority of them are not. Joe, I'm I'm guessing from what I'm hearing you share so far that your background is more in development than in design. Is that correct? Yes, I am not a developer. I mean, I can do some stuff, you know, with the assistance of Google and YouTube and all that stuff. I mean, I can do things, but I am not the go-to developer. Okay. Um. So. So what is your then your expertise is around accessibility knowledge then, right? And then so presumably other people in your company handle the development and the design, but you're just flagging up the accessibility challenges and, and, and errors and shortcomings? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I will jump in. I don't mean just, by the way. So I, there's no. a lot to that. I just. Yes. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, that's pretty much it for the most part. Um, it's mostly about time management. Um because, you know, I'll break, I'll break down a website and I'll make a big list and I have all my steps to go through and I'll work very closely with the, the development team every step of the way. Um, <clears throat> you know, I did get my start as development when we, when we started the company. It was just me and my partner. We were, we were the everything. We were the developers, designers. We, we were everything. Just like I'm, I'm sure um, you two know, just have to wear all hats. Joe, I'm going to move away from some technical stuff because I know I could probably keep talking about this for a long time and we'll probably end up coming back to it because it's a fascinating topic. And like your clients, I, you know, hear all of this accessibility talk and, and worry about my own sites. And like I said, when I test them, sometimes I fix things and sometimes I'm not sure what is actually broken. But anyway, I wanted to ask you a question. We ask everyone and and this, I'm going to go and take it in a little bit of a direction as well. Um, because accessibility is something that serves others. And, and so I want to ask you how you define success and how that fits into your, your professional work that you're doing for accessibility, if it relates at all to mm -hmm. the service that you're providing um, and in general, how you define success, but also related to the work you're doing. Right. Okay. Um, you know, success is, it's so different for everybody. Me personally, my, my personal success is, is finding that happy medium between, you know, a professional success and a personal success with my family. So it's, <clears throat> well, that's a tough question. Um, you know, I, I find the most value when, <clears throat> when my kids really are able to, you know, they, they've made comments here and there just, to, just about showing them that you don't have to do a nine to five. You don't have to work for somebody else. You can make your own way in this world, regardless of which way it is. I mean, you make your own path and being able to bestow that and show it as example to the, to my daughters. That's a big deal to me. That's a really, really big deal to me. Um, just be, just because 
you know, there's just, I see so many people on the day-to-day grind. They're just miserable. They can have amazing jobs and be making tons of money. And they're just, they're just not happy. Something's just missing. <clears throat> so um, I, I, I really try to make a point to, to have that medium to where I kind of work when I want and I, and I make plenty of time for the kids and, and they see that. And they've actually, you know, made some comments before about being, you know, quote unquote, like an entrepreneur, just kind of work for yourself and make your own way. Yeah, I mean, so that's kind of how I define success, really, just showing my kids that you can do it and that we can live a happy life and go and do things all the time. And, you know, and not because of money, but because of the freedom that I've created by not following in somebody else's footsteps or shadows. I don't yeah. know if that makes any sense or not. Yeah, it totally does. And we hear that from people. A lot of people that we have on hallway chats are self-employed people or people who have that flexibility of schedule. And they often list that as something that um, that they consider related to their definition of success. Um, so going a little bit deeper into this, what I was talking about earlier, in terms of what you're doing with the web development for accessibility. I think all of us who build websites for other people, organizations, we feel good about helping their business and um, building a website that works well and is user-friendly and all of, checks all of those boxes. But for you, um, accessibility means a lot more than that. I mean, it is related not only to the website owner but it's really for the users of the websites, which of course we think about when we're building websites, but not to the degree that you are, which you are potentially you know, making a huge difference for people to be able to use a website that they wouldn't otherwise have been able to use. So paying attention to that, I'm just wondering how that feeds your, you know, your feeling of success and your feeling of pride in what you do. Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, that's, that is absolutely how I feel. I really feel, I feel like I'm actually helping people, which is, you know, a good feeling. Um, have you done user testing? I have, you, I've, I've gone to, you know, to uh, workshops and seminars where they show, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, um, the, uh, I'm drawing blank on the name of it, the, um, the voice assist. What's the name of that? Why am I forgetting the name of that? Um, Text reader. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a screen reader or something? <laughs> yeah. Screen reader. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, ha- have you watched people seen the impact of the work that you're doing on people who need it? Um, well, I mean, I haven't really seen an imp- Like, I haven't um, watched somebody use a site that I've worked on. I mean, I... I'll say this, like through my travels of the U.S. and work camps and stuff, I've met a lot of low vision individuals that that are just as excited about helping me as I am helping them. So, you know, we will have them take a look at some websites that we have fixed or remediated and we'll get their feedback. And, and I have had on, you know, a few occasions them say, hey, that was actually really pleasant for me to to navigate and use. And, you know, and tell me that they appreciated what I was doing. So, 
don't know if that's quite on par with what you asked, but it is. No, it totally okay. is. I just, I, I when I think about that, there's an extra level of motivation and satisfaction that I think that you may have that others may not when they're just building websites. Oh, without that, without that focus, I guess is my point. I'm kind of having a hard time putting my thoughts into words today. That's right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, there's over one billion people in the world that have a dis- uh, disability, and you know, it's like 250 million people are have a, a vision disability. So that's when I when I'm and and I, I when I go to these word camps and stuff, I'm talking to developers. So in my mind, every developer I can help, I just say they can help a hundred people. I yeah. build an accessible site. So I start doing the math and I just start smiling. <laughs> yeah, that's great. My brother is uh, legally blind and, and he, I know he, um, he has a hard time often on the web. So yeah, thankfully absolutely. now more with, with the ability to do, um, to talk to text and that type of thing, they're, they're helped by that a lot, I think, but doesn't help them navigate a website for sure. Joe, who are the bulk of your clients? Is it mostly governments or private business? Yeah, at this point, the bulk of our clients are, are governments or, or individuals con- doing um, government contract work. Because to do government contract work, you actually have to sign a piece of paper saying your website is Section 508 accessible. And really, a lot of people sign, just sign them away. Not really too worried about it, but uh, that tends to be the bulk. We we do get tons of other stuff. I mean, just recently we did a local marina. Um, So, you know, there there are tons of random companies, but I would say at least 70, 75% are are government agencies or people doing business with them or nonprofit. You mentioned Section 508 Accessible. Can you talk about that a little bit? What is that? Yeah, well, Section 508 is the actual law the government put out stating that websites have to be accessible. And they're not 100%, you know, there's some gray area in that. But what they do is they refer back to WCAG, the WCAG guidelines. You got A, AA, and AAA. They say as long as you're at least AA compliant of the WCAG guidelines, you're Section 508 compliant. So Section 508 is more the American version of the law and, and the WCAG guidelines are the worldwide standards. Yeah, those standards have been a while, around for a while. Back when I was UK-based, you know, the UK was probably about five or six years ahead of the U.S. at least yes. in terms of government legislation to accessibility. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm glad to see it, it finally making its way here and, and making the web more accessible for people on this side of the ocean as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Joe, how many, we mentioned in, in your introduction that you go to WordCamps and you talk to people. How, how much traveling are you doing for your business these days? Oh, quite a bit, actually. I mean, just this year alone, I've been to, to uh, Miami, Orlando, Jacksonville, Atlanta, um, Raleigh, Durham, Birmingham, L.A. Uh, I just came back from Nevada in New York. Um, that was a personal. That was a personal achievement of mine. Gave a presentation right off of uh, in Manhattan, right off of Times Square. That, that was a big deal. Um, I'm headed out to um, Philly in a couple of weeks, and then we're doing Dallas a few weeks after that. And I'll probably take November and December off just because you know I just, just want to kind of relax a little bit and 
you know, hopefully I'll have the opportunity to pick it right back up next year, you know, because I request to speak here and they can, they get tons of requests. So I look at it as, Hey, next year I might not be able to do this. So I'm taking all the opportunities as I can that's laid before me in the moment. Yeah. I appreciate that. How, how do you balance client deliverables when you're traveling as much as you do? So I appreciate that you're giving to the community and you're sharing your knowledge and that's great. And I, and I support that and I laud you for that. But at some yeah. point you also got to get back on the computer and finish that project. Right. Right. Well, you know, um, the reason why we got into the software business was kind of, at least for me, was the dream of a digital nomad of not being able of not being locked down at a desk or a house to no matter where I go, as long as I have internet, I can work and I can generate income and do what I need to do <clears throat> to maintain. So I've um, really looked at this last year, 2019, as the opportunity to really put that into practice because, you know, I work on my laptop from home or, or from, from my other company's office, um, stuff like that. But I had never really taken it on the, on the road like I had dreamed. So I've kind of been able to make that a reality this year so you know i'll fly in on a friday friday night i usually hang out in the hotel um do some work and then the next day i'll give a talk and then go out and experience the city do some more work that night in the hotel room and then sunday fly home <clears throat> that sounds like a productive way to go what's what's the biggest lesson you've learned about your adventures in digital nomadism what's what's something you'd be willing to share like oh yeah if you're thinking about doing this don't because it seems like a good idea, but turns out it's not. Right. Well, it's, it's, I see a lot of similarities with the digital nomad as I did when I first got into business for myself. It takes a lot of self discipline. It takes a lot of, you know, cause it's so easy to say, ah, I'll do it tomorrow. And you don't have a boss screaming down your throat. You don't have these necessary, like necessarily the, the deadlines you would have. But of course, we do have deadlines, of course, but <clears throat> um, so you got to have that self-discipline and you got to be able to stay focused. You know, it's real easy to lose focus. First couple of cities I went to, I just once I first started doing this traveling, I really kind of lost myself in going to these new places. I've never been out to the West Coast before. Um, so just going around there, you know, I I got to recenter and refocus and be like, oh, yeah, there's a reason I'm here. <clears throat> and you got to be able to do that. And, you know, and if you're not able to do that, it's going to be a tough run. Can you tell us a little bit about WordPress as it applies to accessibility? I don't want to get deep in the weeds here, but I know there's been a lot of talk and I know um, we had some leads on the accessibility team leave in the past year. How mm -hmm. is WordPress doing in your opinion when it comes to accessibility? Um, well, you know, there was a lot of backlash when, when they switched to Gutenberg because it did take a step backwards. Um, but in the same point, part of that, in my opinion, is nobody likes change. So when change happens, there's always that initial pushback and backlash. So I think a lot of that had to do with just people didn't want change. But also, you know, I'm, I'm part of the accessibility, the WordPress accessibility team, and we have a Slack meeting every Friday. And they have a list of bugs and errors that are strictly for accessibility. And these people are working their butts off 
one by one to knock these out. And there's an amazing amount of open communication and a tremendous amount of help. And it really is amazing. And before I got to that point to get on that team, I kind of felt the same way a lot of other because I'm reading all the same things everybody else is reading. <clears throat> um, so I kind of was having the same feelings. But then I then I got involved and I started to see that these, you know, these men and women are working really hard. They're just as passionate about it as I am, if not even more so. And they're way smarter than I am. So that really makes me feel good about WordPress and accessibility. I, I, they are moving in the in the proper direction. And it's because of these individuals working tirelessly to get it done. So, you know, and that's what WordPress WordPress is, is a community CMS. And it's really shining on the back end with accessibility. And most 99.9% of the people in the world who use WordPress don't see that. Don't see how hard these, these people are working on the back end. So, I mean... I, I don't know if that answered your question. I'm yes, sorry. Yes, it does. And thanks for sharing that. No, I really appreciate it. I think a lot of times it's easy to be mm -hmm. critical when you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. My husband yes. worked on Capitol Hill for a long time. And, you know, we always, especially in these days, a lot of people are very critical of of uh, government officials and politicians. And, well, I'm sure there are many who don't um, don't meet up to expectations. There are a lot who work really hard there, too. So similar yeah. kind of thing. We easy to judge when you're not there seeing how hard people are working so I'm, i appreciate your sharing that experience with us another question that we ask everyone on the show joe is about advice and if you would share with us some advice that you've received and implemented in your life that has been important and impactful for you oh uh, yeah i mean just general advice that's not specific to um, what i'm doing <clears throat> would really just be follow your heart do, do what your gut tells you to do because the world is a tough place. And this is one thing I really try to teach my kids that you're going to be surrounded. There's a very good possibility that you're going to be surrounded by naysayers and people not wanting you to succeed for whatever reason. I mean, they might, you know, not for some nefarious reason or anything, but it's just our society has kind of, in my opinion, turned that way. Um, so just to, to be able to block that out or really, in my case, use that as fuel to continue what your heart and your gut tells you you should be doing. And if you do what's right and if you do what you think is, is helping people, the money will come. Everything else will come after that. So do, do what you want to do and how you want to do it. Make your own path. And don't listen to anybody else because they will try <laughs> to steer you onto the path that's already been laid, you know, because that's where they went or that's where their parents went or, or whatever the case may be. Don't, don't listen to them. Shut all that out and, and do what you know is best. And you'll be thankful for it in the end. Fail or succeed, you'll be thankful. I like that. Joe, how do you, how do you discern <laughs> what your gut is telling you to do? And, I, Ooh, and I'll ask that in kind of two ways is one kind of big and thematically, right? I want to go into business for myself is one thing, but then, okay, I definitely want to do that. What is my gut telling me to do as a practical action step to get there? So kind of that, how do you do it at the big level? And then how do you trust yourself or learn to trust yourself or to discern what your the probiotics in your gut are telling you to do <laughs> as far as the next step? Right. <clears throat> well, that's, that's, that's a tough one because your gut's going to be telling you one thing and your mind's going to be super fearful because that's, I think, just our natural reaction and that's good. 
You know, they say that brave is just as scared as a scared or whatever the saying is. You only need to be brave for one or two seconds more. Um, you just, yeah, that's a good question. You got, you, you got it. You definitely have to weigh out everything. You have to think real long and hard because <clears throat> your gut will, you know, tell you one thing and your mind's going to be telling you another thing and you've got to do your due diligence really to, to kind of figure out which, which one should you should, what path you should be taking. And um, in my opinion, if, if everything's equal, go with your gut. But there are times where, you know, common sense or, or your mind lays out a very good case to not do something. And, and sometimes you have to listen to that. So, you know, I guess it's like everything else. You got to find the medium. You got to find that in between what your gut's telling you and makes sense. Yeah, I guess that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I want to go back to what you you shared about your definition of success around the medium. And one of the things that I picked up on was the medium between work and time with your family, and it's particular with your daughters. How do you how do you navigate that kind of week in week out? You know, I get that it's a priority for you, but if you're traveling and you got a new project in the door, and you're trying to get land to this other project. That can be challenged to balance that all. What works for you? How do you how do you try to keep yourself on the on the right path? Um yeah, I'm in a unique situation to where I I'm separated from my wife, so I have my kids 50% of the time, which is we do it a little bit different than other people. We do it three, three and a half days a week. So they're with mom three and a half, they're with me three and a half. Um, so I'm I travel on the three days that I don't have the kids. And if I can't make it back, I, I won't even sign up for that word camp. So the traveling part doesn't take me away from the kids. And then also um, being able to work on my own time. I'll, when the kids are at school, I'll do, I'll do some work in the afternoon and then I'm, I'm always picking them up. And then when they go to bed, I'll do a couple hours work at night. I'm able to kind of spread my workout so it doesn't, interfere with that time but at the same time i also make it a point to do work sometimes in front of them to show them that it's not all fun and games i'm not not working and someone's just depositing checks in my account you know i really am working for this so uh and i i think i've done a pretty decent job with that you know um before the the whole digital um development company i i have a restaurant and they and this is kind of where I, I I learned this because I completely overly entrenched myself in my original company, which is a restaurant, and I overdid it. And uh, I was just I just had to steer it back to the center and just set up personal boundaries for myself to make sure that doesn't happen. Because I'm I'm kind of a workaholic. If you let me go, I'll just work and work and work and work because I love what I'm doing. Um, so. Yeah, restaurants are hard to to uh, have a balance <laughs> between yes. working and life. Yeah. Yes, it was very difficult, but I, you know, I wouldn't change it because it led me to where I'm at. You know, I have a good, you know, I'm just in a good spot. So that sounds like that's a conversation we could, we could go off for hours on is trying to find the balance of work and doing what we love. But alas, Joe, we are we are coming up on our 
the end of our time together, which uh, makes me sad in some ways because I've really enjoyed this. Before we say goodbye, can you share with us where our listeners and audience can find you online, please? Sure. Yeah, our website is stpetedesign.com. It's S-T-P-E-T-E design.com. Um, you know, I'm on Twitter at Joseph Lepresti. Um, that's, that's pretty much about it. Thanks well, so thank much you for, for joining us. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Great oh, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I really appreciate you guys, uh, your time and thank you. You too. It's our pleasure, Joe. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you like what we're doing here, meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com. Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form on our site to tell us about themselves.